This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back to a Celtic State of Mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and this afternoon I am delighted to be joined by three of our Axom contributors. We've got Sean Connolly, Ian Conroy and Lawrence Connolly. Welcome all to the show. We're going international and continental once again. Sean, before we kick off, you are one of our uh, friends from Celtic Down Under and it's the Boxing Kangaroo top right of your screen. Tell us a wee bit about your show. Let us know where to find it. Yeah, uh, you'd normally have Liam on tonight, so uh, he, it's his birthday. Happy birthday, Liam. So uh, I'm sitting at home, so I thought I'd step in and fill in for Liam and represent the, the Southern Hemisphere down here. Uh, we had Marco Tellio getting some action for Australia under 23s yes. this week. He came on as a late sub in the game I checked, so uh, not too much to report on that one. But yeah, if anyone's interested, we're getting a follower base is increasing quite a lot in the last couple of weeks, so we are pushing that. So if anyone can get us on the usual socials, Celtic Down Under. If anyone wants to follow me on Twitter, X, I've got very few followers. You'll get the worst kind of content you can imagine. <laughs> Reposts of all nonsense. Uh, wait a minute. On X, you're claiming that you uh, post the worst content. No chance. I posted a picture <laughs> of me last week in Liverpool because I was so chuffed to win an award. And some of the content that was created out of that was astonishing. Although not surprising, Ian. Um, there were comments about a, a dodgy stain on my tie. Uh, the fact that I was probably a dodgy stain on the Celtic support. Honestly, if I won the Euro Millions and announced that I was going to give £1 million to charity on X stroke Twitter, someone would complain that it wasn't enough. It is. It can be a, a bit of a, a dodgy terrain to negotiate Ian Conroy, can't it? I think so, yeah. It sounds like my, uh, my children. I think if you... <laughs> I gave them all equally, equally a million pounds or a million dollars. Uh, they all complained it was it was they wanted the other person's a million dollars. Just such is life, you know, human nature. But you you're always going to get the dissenting voices, you know. But I think that means you're probably doing something right. Um, yeah, you take it, Ian. And, and to be fair, I, I think that uh, originally I was new to that, and I thought to myself, "Oh, this isn't very comfortable." And you react to it, Ian, and that's the worst thing you could possibly do is react. Um, and I've learned in time uh, through maybe overreacting a few times. That's not the way to do it. We just go back at twelve thirty every day, Lawrence Conley, and produce another Axon bullet, and some call it the bully. Uh, that just takes me back to the nineteen eighties show. Remember that, Lawrence. Jim you could have won, mate, as Aidan McGeady used to say. <laughs> I believe after, was that a League Cup final when him and the day scored? That's right. Win a trophy, yeah. yeah. You could have won, nail up. Yes. <laughs> I remember That's that Cup final. I, I, I really do recall that uh, final for, for being uh, a situation, even though it went to extra time, Lawrence, 
whereby we showed how much better we were than Rangers on the day, yet we didn't win the league that season. That was the biggest frustration for me. We win the game, O'Day and uh, McGeary scored the goals, and we showed that we were far superior on the day, uh, 11 versus 11. But over the season, we lost the league. It was really frustrating. That was Strachan's final season, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, really. I don't know. Can I have heard Gordon speak saying you should only really stay for... For three years and lost a yeah. bit of the anger. I mean, that's why he, won't go, he said he wouldn't go back into club management. He's lost the anger that was needed. But yeah, that was a cracking day. We played McGeady through the middle. He absolutely tore them to pieces, didn't he? I mean, I, I don't think uh, the final scoreline was justice, but yeah, that's the point. Was it Stephen Fletcher that, and we ended up with Willow Flood that season, was it? Yeah, we're going to be talking about January some mem- memorable, memorable yeah. January transfer windows. Yes, <laughs> that was one of them. Um, and yes, yeah, Stephen Stephen Fletcher, as you say, he was uh, chased by Celtic um, and, and another Hibs player who didn't come to the club, unfortunately. But we will be looking towards this January. I want to start off because you mentioned it, Sean. You mentioned Marco Tilio, um, the little scene, the anonymous, the AWOL. Yet he turned up for the under-23s in Australia and he played... Um, he didn't play. It was a more of a cameo performance, from what I understand. Where are we with, with Marco? Though, because I know your your colleague Jared is a big fan of Marco Tilio. Um, I think I was kind, kind of excited, like everybody else, having seen the footage of the player. Um, he came with an injury. We get it. Uh, there's been rumblings that he's maybe not settled as well, Sean. What do we do with Marco in January? Do we keep him? Do we build him up and try and introduce him into the Scottish game? Or do we put him out like we did with Tommy Rogic? Do we put him out and get him some game time? I'd put him out, but I wouldn't put him out back to Australia because uh, this is a common theme, isn't it? Where uh, Viduka and Rogic both came over and didn't settle immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's, there's very the economy's strong down here, and uh, many Australians, relative to other nations, particularly uh, not to disparage, but have very kind of sheltered lives in a sense. So there, uh, there's a bit of a culture shock when they, they leave home and they don't have those same kind of home comforts. Yeah. Uh, so I would be sending them out on loan, but I wouldn't be sending them back to Australia. I don't think that's what he needs. I don't, I don't think he needs to get back into that comfort zone. I think he needs to stay out of the comfort zone, but also be playing minutes. Um, I think We've all seen the we've all seen the bits and bobs of them, and there's something there. But we said that about Daniel Arzani, and look, you, to to make it, you need to have uh, three things. You need to have ability. We think he's got that. You need to have uh, mental uh, fortitude. We don't really know about that, and from the outside, it's very, very almost impossible, really, to to tell from the outside. Uh, and the third thing you need to have uh, is the most important ability, which is availability. And uh, so far, we don't think he's had much of that either. So, uh, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, that, that I think you're right there, Paul. I think somewhere on loan, but not back to Australia. Get on game time. And you made a great point. I mentioned uh, the Wizard of Oz, obviously, Tommy Rodrich, who uh, just recently retired from the game. Uh, some personal issues that he was dealing with as well, and he spoke openly about them. And you mentioned the bold Marco Viduca, uh, who quickly became Mark Viduca. And like you see, he went AWOL. And at the time, Ian, there was no real sympathy for Mark Viduca's mental health situation at the time, if you remember. Uh, the press didn't really treat him with kid gloves, did they? They, they just got tore in about him back then and that wasn't that long ago really late 90s yeah that was I suppose it shows you how how not not far back it was it was the old school you know yeah. mm-hmm. you wouldn't have that these days um, I don't know what happened sort of the ins and outs of it but yeah absolutely you know it's a, it's a, it's a big thing you look at the distance I know I know he was playing his trade in um, uh, the ball was it the Balkans or it, it, yeah Croatia it was, Zagreb it was, we signed them from Croatia Zagreb, Zagreb. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so you know um, but still, you know, it's 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 it's, it's, a, it's a long way away, um, um, and any adjustment, especially for a young man, um, is 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 huge. Um, I'd like to we're talking about sort of lo- loaning out. Um, I I'd like to see them as as Christoph Iyer was. I think like loaned out in the, to a Scottish Scottish team, perhaps yes. for a season. I think he, I think he's young enough, Tilio, um, for him to adapt and adjust to to, to you know the, the exact league he's going to be playing in, hopefully. Um, it didn't do um, Christoph Iyer any, any damage, you know, so I think that would, wouldn't be a bad move. I think it's a good shout. Um, we've seen other examples of it as well, even haven't we, with uh, Ryan Christie being a, a prime example of uh, a player. And Liam Scales, who is now the resurgent um, Ralston-esque success story of this season. Um, sticking to the Mark Viduka thing, 
Lawrence, just that on my way down to Liverpool, as you do, you nip into one of these service stations, you grab a cheap book, and I picked up Ian Wright's book. Obviously, he himself had a wee cameo appearance in the history of Celtic Football Club, but anything Celtic-related, I'm going to pick it up. And I was reading with interest the three or four pages that he wrote about his time at Celtic. Um, and, you know, he didn't speak about Celtic in disparaging terms, but obviously had a quite a, a fruitless time at Celtic, but he was in the dressing room that night against Inverness Cali Thistle, and he described what Mark Viduka did. He refused to go out on the park and play the second half. Unbelievable, really, when you think about it. He's the player, when I spoke to the historian Pat Woods, um, the great Celtic historian Pat Woods, uh, he's the player that that Pat is, is his least favourite player in Celtic history. And that's saying something when you think of some of the charlatans we've had uh, wearing the green and white hoops. It's unthinkable, though, Lawrence. And what does that do for the the confidence that the team has in the manager when a player can take his boots off and jump in the shower rather than go out and play a second half? Yeah, I think the rhyme was on the wall there, wasn't it? You know, but John Barnes has been on this show. A couple of times. Yeah, and speaking about... He he offered to do the rap. We, We declined. (laughs) <laughs> he, he thought, uh, well, he didn't buy a house. He thought more or less as soon as he moved, moved into the job, uh, he'd made the wrong move. Uh, he was uh, talking about unconscious bias a lot, but yeah, Baduka's but, but not left the manager anywhere to go, has he? I mean, what a fine player Baduka was. And he was remember brilliant. that game against Rocha Zagreb, I think it turns Hughes inside out in the box and down the Rangers end. Keeper saves, but, you know, great chances out of nothing and over the minute to sign him. You think you could have had Tim and Larson as a forward line if we just stayed, but off the leads for him. And then we, we, we put a sell on clause, but didn't quite do it right, so we ended up getting nothing. Uh, if, yeah. if you fast forward, though, Lawrence, to that move, um, I think the best way I can look at the time, because I know that Viduka was a, a real talent, a brilliant talent. He really was. I mean, you can look at his attitude and what he did that night. Obviously, Ian Wright went on for him, I think, in the second half. But um, the one thing, I think the silver lining, uh, not quite. Boyd for Cascarino, but the £6 million we made for Viduka uh, went towards buying Chris Sutton and the rest, as they say, is history. O'Neill talks about Sutton as being one of the pivotal moments, you know, bringing him to the club uh, one-off because there were a few under Martin O'Neill. So, yeah, every every cloud and all that kind of stuff as well, Lawrence. Um, John Barnes, uh, as I say, has been on the show. Check it out on the old archive on YouTube. Um, it was a it was quite an argumentative display between Banzi and myself. But when we go back, Ian, I'm going to throw this one at you because I know that you are a musical aficionado. Um, and that rap, World in Motion, New Order, uh, football songs, right? Because obviously we're moving into that kind of football season, the silly season of a football song to go with uh, Scotland, for example. And I've got a, a suggestion for that one, which I think is good. Uh, but World in Motion, it was the time. It was a time when... Music and football and culture was colliding, Ian, at that moment, at Italy 90. Would you agree with that? Or do you think it was happening before then? I, th- I don't know. I, th- I think New Order, that was, a, I was, a, I was an actual song, wasn't it? And they just made that into a football song rather than making yeah. more motion for the... Maybe that's why it's endured so much and it's 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 class, you know? It's like, it's a, you know, I'm no England fan by any stretch. I grew up in England. Um. You know, I took a lot, a lot of stick between a Scotsman and England, you know, but um, it's it's a great song, you know. And it was my kind of first proper World Cup. Really, I remember 82 and I remember 86, but right. 1990 was my proper first proper World Cup where I got really into it. and Got the bug, yeah. Yeah, and it was it was really kind of, it was a moment in time, you know, so in, in, in my lifetime. But um, football songs, they're, always, they're, they're supposed to be a bit cheesy, aren't they, you know? Um, I suppose they're a bit, a, a little bit naff, especially when you get the players on, you know. Um, <laughs> but any, any, yeah, any, any, any song they can get um, Peter Beardsley uh, in the video. Have you heard cool. the mix? Have you heard the Peter Beardsley mix, Ian? No. Where he actually do, he does the rap. This is oh, a thing. Really? I, I'm no lying. So Peter yeah. Beardsley does the John Barnes bit, right? And there's a version yeah. of it. And it's been on Earth and it's on YouTube. You've got to watch it. Uh, you right. will have a giggle at it. Talking of cheesy football f- songs, though, The Glory and the Dream is not a cheesy one. That was Axon's contribution to the world of music this time last year. Uh, and as I keep saying, it was on top. It was above Mariah Carey for one day in the Christmas charts and the iTunes charts. 
um, and it's still out there. I think 35,000 people have watched it on the YouTube channel, The Glory and The Dream. Now, if I come to yourself, Sean, in relation to obviously us going on a wee uh, digression, a wee diversion there, sticking to the international football because, as Ian says there, uh, the big tournaments, you know, it used to be a big deal. You, you would, If you were anything like me, you would watch every game. I remember 86, but 1990 was my first real World Cup where I was invested. Uh, Euro 88 being the first tournament that I got right into, you know, that great Netherlands side. Um, but, you know, I, I tried to explain to the wee fella now, Sean, about this guy called Messi and say, well, our Messi was a, a player called Diego Maradona. And there's that scene where he's warming up for Napoli and you can hear life is life over the, the tannoy. I'm sure you'll have seen it. It's become something of a an online kind of viral video. Uh, and, and when you look at Maradona, just about any player, you can link them into Celtic because there's that great moment where he comes to to train at Celtic Park um, on the eve of Argentina versus Scotland, of course, which was also the opponents of his Argentinian debut. So we can link everything into Celtic. Uh, but in terms of international football, because we're on the subject, Sean, we've come out of another break, another international break, um, and we're talking about Tilio. But I think the success story of this break is arguably, we'll come back to Palma, arguably uh, Matt O'Reilly getting mm-hmm. his debut for, for Denmark. Um, and, you know, when you look at the lineup before the game is played, O'Reilly's got the biggest, cheesiest grin on his face because it's as if this is the next step in his own personal development as a footballer. And I'm delighted for, for O'Reilly. Um, my only concern, of course, is that, again, it puts him in the shop window, doesn't it? I can see it. I can see all the headlines this morning um, about the fact that he would improve X, Y and Z down south and all this kind of stuff. It's unthinkable, isn't it? We need to keep a hold of O'Reilly in January. Sean, I'm going to come to you first on that. It's one of the ones we need to be pretty strong on that. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Yeah, I wonder what's in his contract in terms of release clauses and stuff like that. Um, I hope it's I hope it's favourable at least if there's anything in there. Uh, I would assume there's something in relation to Premier League teams and release clauses, and he's going to be in demand not just for his ability, but the fact that uh, he would qualify as a, a Champions League um, local player for teams in England. So that you know the kind of Musa Dembele style thing as well. Uh, in terms of what well, you were referring to the nostalgia of the World Cups, I often wonder if. Um, People younger than you and I uh, are going to be nostalgic in a few years for the Vuvuzelas of South Africa and uh, those goalless draws in Brazil four years later. I I wonder if we were just spoiled in our generation uh, that we got the characters uh, and the the actual culture around it. Pity the kids. And if if you can just indulge me one more point to call back to what you mentioned there about the Viduka Sutton thing. I was actually looking looking at this just tangentially. Obviously, we didn't talk about this beforehand, but I was looking at this uh, this morning. Uh, just out of curiosity, and the, the figure that I found for so Celtic's turnover in 2000, which was mm-hmm. uh, just the, as John Barnes was going out uh, before Martin O'Neill came in, our turnover that year uh, was 38.6 million. And then when Martin O'Neill comes in, uh, we spend net. So the net spend after you take away Viduka and resets transfer fees uh, was 12.5 million. So that's a, a 34% net spend of our turnover on transfer fees. So if we were to do the same this year, that would represent a £40 million net spend on transfer fees. So if the current board matched the ambition of the 2000-2001 board, we'd be seeing a £40 million net spend. Oh, that's incredible. And of course, the reason that Peter Law was at the club, um, he's at the club now for a third time, uh, first time under Terry Cassidy, the, the reason he was brought back was due to the fact that we're spending that kind of money, wasn't it? 
I mean, there was a, a there was a moment where they've realised if we keep spending like this, we're going to be in trouble. But that's incredible, forty million quid. And and I think that you know, add to that the amount of uh, transfer fees that we now bring in. Um, mm. Obviously, Viduka was a big sale back then, a really big sale, in actual fact. But uh, it's become more regular that we sell our big players for massive fees. Um, and you just hope, and this is where the tagline comes in. There's been obviously it started silly season with the transfer window just round the corner. Sydney Van Hoydonk was um, has been linked again to Celtic, but I'm going to put my neck on the line on this one, lads, uh, because I don't think he's anywhere near signing, and I'm going to tell you why. Right. So as you will know, we do a live event or two. Um, Lawrence, you've been to virtually all of the all of the gigs that we've done this year. Uh, next one up is actually Johan Mialbi next month. Ticket link underneath the video. There's your plug. But we had Van Hoydonk over from Amsterdam um, last month. It was on Halloween. Uh, he was joined by George Cadet, flew him over from Lisbon, and Johnny Collins, one of the most cultured and uh, skillful and classy players that I can remember from the 1990s. Um, during a dark... Uh, period in Celtic's history. So it was a great night. But I took the opportunity to speak to Van Hooydonk. And by the way, I've got the video edited. Um, so there is an interview with Pierre, Cadet and Collins. It's going to be on the channel very soon, if not tonight, then certainly tomorrow. And I'll share the links on the socials. But anyway, getting to the point, I spoke to Pierre about Sidney Van Hooydonk. And I just asked him about, you know, uh, was there any truth in the, the previous links? Because he was linked pretty heavily, wasn't he, Sean, in the, the summer there? Uh, Van Hooydonk and when when you see the name Van Hooydonk or the name Jordan Larson being linked to Celtic you think right lazy journalism let's just put a name that's associated with a club to that club and etc etc and um, I find it interesting that A Pierre Van Hooydonk said there had been absolutely no bear in mind three weeks ago this was no contact whatsoever from Celtic uh, none not a peep because obviously Van Hooydonk works as an agent um, he was responsible for Nadir Chiefje coming to Celtic, let's not forget. And he said there had been no contact. Celtic had not shown any interest whatsoever in Sydney Van Hooydonk. It was all paper talk, rubbish. And I asked him, um, has he got what it takes to play for Celtic? And uh, Pierre done the old Rudy Vata thing, Lawrence, where he played it down. You know how Rudy always does that with his son? And he has done since his boy was eight or whatever. And he says, you know, there's certain aspects he's game he needs to improve if he wants to be a top striker for a top club. So that was his answer. So unless Celtic have made that um, contact in the last three weeks or the flip side of that will be the Italian press um, have been given a story to try and drum up some interest in the player and they've gone for the guys who are supposedly interested in the player in, in the summer, then it's not going to happen. And I'm, as I say, I've got to put my neck in the line and say it's not happening. I've, I've read all the blogs, I've read all the newspaper reports. There's nothing of substance in it. Lawrence, is it just getting that name associated with Celtic and linking it with Celtic to drum up some interest. Yeah, listen, it's an easy story for the papers, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. we do some investigative journalism. Is it is it a profit? Is it a loss? You know, well, there's loads of things they could be looking at. Statistical anomalies in Scottish football. Nah, we'll just say, you know, Larson or Van Hollander to Celtic. Mm-hmm. You know, height of the talents, isn't it? But uh, to, to go back to kind of the certain thing I was at, I think, uh, last week, anyway, he asked somebody what his fee would be, a Martin Murphy, who's writing his football finance. Oh, six, big shout out to Martin. Was Martin there, was he? Yep. And yep. six Glad million apparently spend then is equivalent to 105 now. Yeah, because Chris fees. Sutton's now saying he would be one of the most expensive players in British football history, isn't he? He's trying to claim that. Oh, it, it was at one point. It was yeah. at one point. When he went yeah, to, to Chelsea. And Blackburn, yeah. 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 I'm, I'm not sure so, where Martin's getting those numbers from. I don't know what, how he's measuring that, but that doesn't measure up. So, what, what, it's, it's, it's so Sutton reckons he was worth, what, 100 million quid? No, but Martin Murphy said, what would the equivalent in a football transfer spend be of 6 million now? You know, a 6 okay. million pound player was equivalent of what? And he was at uh, 101 million or something. And you're like, yeah. Martin uh, does his stuff in football finance, I'm sure he knows. But go back to the songs thing, uh, and, and linking it with St. Rock's, the game there at the weekend was sponsored by Terry Dick. Big shout out to Terry. In memory of his dad, a certain Glenn Daly. Mm-hmm. Who, uh, it's a pretty decent football song he released. He certainly did. And by the way, it was controversial at the time, Lawrence. There was newspaper reports saying that we shouldn't be able to play it and there was going to be riots and all that. And- yeah, it's incredible. It's incredible. It's 
It definitely has endured. And uh, I don't think, we're now at that stage where you don't change that, Ian, do you? You don't change the songbook that comes over the tannoy at Celtic Park in terms of uh, what we go into the park. Because I remember there were suggestions in the past from some contributors on Axon that uh, I think, was it Welcome to Paradise by Guns N' Roses? By the way, decent tune. But, or Welcome to the Jungle. No, that's Welcome to the Jungle. Welcome to Paradise. That's Green Day. That's Green Day. Welcome yeah. to the Jungle. Yeah. Uh, but you don't change the Celtic song, do you? The Glendale classic must remain in. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, no. You just, nah, just no. No. Don't tamper with it. You can't, no. No, it's, it's, it just, you just move into the realms of cheese and, and naffness, you know. It's, keep it, keep the purity. Even the, the language, even the, the lyrics. They've, you know, they're out of time. They're completely out of step with modern society and, and the kind of language we use now. But, it, you know, it is part of the tradition. It's part of the fabric of Celtic Football Club. Um, so, yeah, you can clip this if Sidney Van Hoedonk signs for Celtic and is unveiled and say, Paul John Dykes doesn't know what he's talking about, but I'm basing it on what his old fella said um, and also the fact that we know how this game works and the Italian media are trying to drum up a bit of interest in the player. Um, we are going to be speaking, Stephen Sloan, about uh, obviously the AGM uh, as well. Questions for the AGM instead of eight, three million pound players. Can we have three eight million pound players? Uh, that's something we've been speaking about over the piece on Axom and Jungle Lion. Definitely need help up top. Totally agree with that. We do need a striker. I just don't think it's going to be Sydney. Um, right. So you're sitting in the, the AGM this year, Lawrence Conley. What are you posing? What are you going to submit? Um, for the board to be answerable to. What was the big topics for you, Lawrence? For, for me, I suppose last year the, the board came out and said they had real concerns about the refereeing uh, in Scotland. And uh, I think Peter Grant came out not, not long after it saying like, 95% of refs are Rangers fans. And I think just now 100% of our refs are Rangers fans. You know, they can do they, you know, what they're doing to address this, this built-in bias. Are they, are they doing anything? You know, what actions are they taking about it? Because it's, it's all right kind of making the noise at AGM. We're a year down, down the line. They don't appear to have done anything about it. And the, the other big thing is, you know, what use is the money in the bank? You know, exactly what we're planning to do. Are we going to invest in the, the squad? Is the museum coming? You, you know, we, we seem to have got a wee bit out of kilter having that amount of money in the bank rather than on the park. There's the Barrowfield project going ahead. The Barrowfield project, yeah. Another thing that uh, obviously there's an investment there. But I mentioned this before, lads, um, and I'll say it again. You know, I don't know when the last time was that you were doing it at Anfield, but obviously I visited there on Thursday, me and the wife, and um, the footprint is in great shape. It, you know, every single tile, every slab, every surface is celebrating Liverpool's uh, rich history. And... You know, I came away from it thinking that we need to get to that point as well. You know, every wall you looked at was celebrating the club's history. If you were a visitor like I was last week, you know, just a, a tourist, uh, with no real link to the club, although I do like the, the friendship that Celtic and Liverpool have had over the years. I don't know if it's still strong, but you certainly did. It did exist, particularly around the, uh, the aftermath of Hillsborough as well, 1989. And I'm looking around there thinking, you know, I, if I was flown in from anywhere in the world, I'm, I'm really, you know, I'm steeped in Liverpool history here, everywhere I looked. And I don't think we get that at Celtic Park. And, you know, I, I do talk about it because it's something that we want to be that kind of uh, top, top global brand. And, you know, I, on a Monday morning when I'm I'm doing the Wander Around Paradise, often there's people hanging about the, the superstore for an opening and you get talking to them and they're from all over the world, you know. And uh, there's nothing to do, really. At the stadium, there isn't a great deal to do at the stadium um, or around the stadium, let's say. I know you can go for a tour and, and things like that. So, yeah, there, there's certainly loads of, loads of things off the park, Lawrence, that could be uh, discussed at, at an AGM. I mean, I was in the sports bar, though. There is the sports bar now. They've yeah. kind of done something. It's not, not a lot, mm. but, but at least there's some kind of facility there. You know, a bit definitely needs expanded on, doesn't it? Totally. But, you know, oh, yeah. staff in there were brilliant. I popped in Saturday, I was just driving by, I thought, you know what? You know, up into Celtic Park. But uh, yeah, Ash looks after us there on the door. I think you know Ash, don't you? I do, aye. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, aye. Good, another good guy. But it was great to see it round about. But you know, it's only one small part of the stadium. I think it's an old player gym. It's, it's really where, where, used to be where the player gym used to be. Mm -hmm. I think Tim Yalba used to train there. I don't know what happened to Tim. Who, who used to train there? 
Tim McAlby, Johan's son. Remember he was on the oh, books? Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, I don't know what happened with him. Yeah, I he, thought you he, said Timo. If you say Timo, I'm thinking Timo Weir. Timo Weir? I, mean, I thought he was a player for us. But obviously, yeah. he wanted to go away and play for USA instead. And uh, the manager fell out of him. Yeah, apparently. Allegedly. Um, and all these kind of things. So AGM, uh, Lawrence wants to bring up an issue that we've spoken long and hard about on Axel. And we'll continue to do it whilst it's an issue. And it is definitely something that in Scottish football holds the game back, uh, which is the quality uh, of our part-time refs refereeing a professional game. I mean, that, that you know what? Take it to that point and say, like, that needs sorted out. Take it to the quality of the VAR and, and the system that's in place. That needs sorted out. And then talk about the quality of the actual officials. So, yeah, absolutely, Lawrence. That's something that should be discussed. Sean, what about yourself? What's your big burning issues as a Celtic supporter? Uh, just... Uh... I'll talk about the rest, but also want to just add a point on what you're mentioning about Van uh, Sydney Van Hoydonk and uh, Vata and Tim Mialbe. And we, uh, probably something that a lot of people don't know in Scotland uh, is Aussie, Aussie rules down here. They have like the draft system for new players coming in. Mm-hmm. And there's a rule and it's called the father-son rule. So the worst team, like uh, the way a draft works in the NFL, the worst team gets the first pick. Now, if you try and pick the a player and his dad played for another team, the other team just goes, nah, he's ours, we get him. And it's, it just allows you to bypass everyone else in the draft. So it gives you like access to better players on a favourable. So what they do is they purposely avoid picking the kids just until someone else tries to and they go, nah, he's ours. And they just bags him. So one one uh, bow you could add to that narrative is that having um, having the, the father-son thing is might actually give you access to better players than you, than you would otherwise be able to get. Uh, maybe, maybe not. Uh, on, on the subject of refereeing, uh, I just would like to Again, chime in with what you guys are saying. Um, a couple of points. Some in the comments came up as well, saying referees aren't biased. Well, if you're saying referees aren't biased, then you're saying they're literally not humans because every human has bias. Uh, now, I do I do coaching, playing, managing, and refereeing down here in Australia at sub-amateur level, and I'm not allowed to referee in the same division that I play in and coach in. And that's sub-amateur, right? We're struggling for... Uh, struggling for uh, referees down here and I'm not allowed to referee in my own division. So, but it's fine in Scotland. It's okay. And if anyone asks, I support St. Mirren or support Morton or whatever, right? That's that's how it works in Scotland. Yeah. Uh, and I think, to be honest, and I think we're 10 years maybe away from AI coming in and doing refereeing on over the video. I think that's, that's the thing that's happen. Yeah, yeah. That is very interesting. You know, so... How would it work then? Um, you basically start to see penalties given against Sevco at that point. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Unless the, unless the AI is based on the human decisions of the past, in which case, the, and we all know that AI can have bias from humans baked into it. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Oh, AI, it's, it's upon us. It's happening. I mean, there's going to be uh, shows like this in the future where the presenter doesn't actually exist. Um, they're just a, a figment of your imagination. It's like the front cover of that album by James Ian. I don't know if you remember, the band members were they're always asked, who's James? Why, why did you call your band James? So they created a face from all the band members. Can you remember that one? Please no. to meet you, I think the album is called, right? And it's just basically a, an AI image, if you like, of all the different elements of, of the, the facial reconstruction of the band. Um, yeah, I mean, listen... You focus on what's happening on the football park as Celtic supporters, of course we do. And we're going to be talking about the upcoming game. Now we're out of the international wilderness. But uh, when it comes to AGMs and it comes to big, burning issues, uh, Ian, we talk about wee things, things that would improve the, the fan experience. I say we, I mean, they're, they're, they're pretty big things. You've got to look at the fan experience, you know. Um, and, you know, as a an event host now acts on we're looking at the the audience experience and we're saying right how do we make that better so let's go to maybe a bigger uh, more spacious theater style let's go to somewhere where there's more facilities so we can make the experience better you're always trying to make things better um what do you think are the big burning issues ian at the this year's agm i think the guys have touched upon some points also the refereeing um 
will never change. You know, we've talked about it for three ons. It's never going to, it hasn't changed before. It's not going to change again. Um, a big thing for me, a burning issue for me, is the, is the recruitment policy, which we've touched upon in many, many shows before. You know, and this, this, keep saying it, but it's the money ball approach. If you look at the net spend over the, since Law Lowell came, well, his second tenure, um, if we hadn't had these big sales like the Tierneys, the Ayers, and things like that, we adjust, adjusted the spend to take those into account and remove those. I don't think people would still be in jobs, you know. These this this spread betting of of, of this, you know, speculation and signing these these players over you know a normal amount or sort of so the two million mark. How many of those have we, have we signed and they've just disappeared without a trace? You know the man Movanguras and of, of the like, you know. And um, you know if we accumulate that, you know we could we, we could have been actually sort of going out and trying to sign sign players of, of some repute and some quality that we, we could hit the ground running. We're still going to have hits and misses, but. It's a better level of, of chance of success, so I think that's a, that's something I'd like us to look at. Um, yeah, that's kind of the burning, the burning issue for me, really, aside from the referees. Yeah, and um, we've spoken about the recruitment, the strategy um, as well, and I always go back to the point that we know it's not an exact science in that um, nothing is guaranteed to work. You know, it's not about we've got to, we've got to buy five million pound players instead of two and a half million pound players because. We've had a few five million pound duds over the years as well, so there is no exact signs. But I just feel that the last transfer window was uh, top heavy on players who might be developed um, into first team stars. And I think that you know the very fact that you've got Brendan Rodgers there, Lawrence, who is getting a tune out of some of the guys that not necessarily were his players or the, he identified, but I think that when you're looking at for example, the ones who are contrib- contributing right now and contributing positively, um, then it might not be a particularly bad transfer window. But I think going into January, there's a few reasons why we can't get complacent. And we spoke about this yesterday, Lawrence. Sometimes uh, your performance levels can dip if you're not getting that challenge or your spend can dip if the guys across the road are not um, able or capable of uh, spending big themselves. I think complacency, complacency is my biggest concern Lawrence, I think there's been occasions in the past where we could have really gone full throttle on uh, improving the team, the squad, and we've not done it. And I hope that that's not the case in January. And I know, you know, some people have got concerns about January transfers not being the best time to do business. Uh, but I do think we need to, the strikers obviously on the tagline, that's one area we need to strengthen. People are pointing out in the comments section about uh, the Asia Cup and how that could uh, leave a shot up top. Absolutely. It, it may well leave us short um, up top. Another another big issue that I've got as well is um, the fact that we're not developing enough players for the first team and there's no pathway, Lawrence. That's another big thing. And I, I know that the club are in a situation where a lot of the uh, a, a lot of the issues around that, we don't really have a control over it because we're not in a, 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 a game in Scottish football where it's really geared towards improving and developing young guys for that step up to the first team. Um, is that something that you think is at the forefront of the board's mind? Is that something that do you think they're prioritising? Because I don't think it's working at this moment in time. And it could take, like what Sean said earlier, it could take a long time to put something in place. It could be five, ten years down the line before you see any benefits of that. Is that a priority, Lawrence? Because for me as a fan, I think it is. I, th- I think that for the board, the priority is just winning in Scotland. Make sure you win the league, and everything else is kind of secondary to that. And no, I'm with you. I'm hoping it's not a, a January transfer window like Strachan's third season when we we didn't get Fletcher. But it, it's, it's kind of hard. You're saying, you know, Brendan in the summer and now saying, you know, he needs quality over quantity. Yeah. You know, in the summer we brought in young guys that need developed. You're, you're not going to develop unless you play them, and it's a, it's the same with the young guys we produce ourselves. Unless they're getting game time, they're not going to develop. So, you know, something needs to give there. You know, if, if it's the quality that you're needing in, well, they need to be developed to hit that quality. And we've mm-hmm. talked about the reserve league and loaning people out. These are things that will definitely work. But just now, the, the squad's just, it's too big. There's too many projects. You know, it, it's different if you're, you were saying, look, here's the top three projects. Brendan, make sure they're getting, you know, 400 minutes of football throughout the season. That will develop them. That's what we're going to do for the path, pathway. And whether that's, you know, you're two up, you're coming on for the second 45, 
what, whatever way it is, have some targets there. But just now, yeah, it, it was too many project players. You, you know, how many of them have really made an, an impact for us? How many of them have made a difference? You know, Palmer? I would say three at this moment in time, Yang. Lawrence, have shown Yang and Palmer particularly, but I also think home has shown enough. Yep. To suggest that he's definitely a, a guy that you brought in at 20 as a project, um, but he's shown enough so far, I think, that he will be a, a, a player for us in, in years to come. But beyond that, I think we're, I mean, Novroski, it's, it's, it seems a wee bit harsh w- with him. Uh, Lagerbjelk's out of the picture. They, they two guys are a mystery to me at this moment in time. Um, Kevin raised a really good point yesterday, and I would like to hear your thoughts on this one, guys. Have we signed a part of the contract for Nat Phillips that he needs to be in the first team squad? Is that why the two fairly big signings for Celtic, seven and a half million pound investment, are, are not generally on the bench? I know that um, Novroski's had these injury issues, but he's fit now. Sean, do you think that's possible? Kev raised that yesterday. Yeah, it's definitely possible because uh, that tends to happen in these sort of nowadays, anyway, in loan contracts. Uh, I remember there was a, a player on loan at Sevco a few years ago had the similar thing uh, where not that they have to play, but if they don't play, you have to pay a financial penalty. Yeah. So I think it's less of an imperative for us in terms of the financial health we're in, uh, but that's that's a very normal thing to be written into a contract that players, when fit and available, have to play X number of minutes, otherwise you're paying a financial penalty to the, the parent club. So that's the and way to get penalty against Seiko. And we were we were desperate at that point. It was that you know, by its very nature, an emergency loan signing. So would we have agreed with things uh, that ordinarily we might not have agreed with? Potentially. We had a big game against Rangers coming up, which Nat Phillips missed. And so yeah, I think in the fullness of time we will find out if that is the case. Alan uh, Robertson is um liking the old life is life. What a bit of footage that is. I love it. Um Maradona dancing well, he does keep you up, he's balancing the ball on his head, it brings to mind as well, you know, I don't know if you remember this one, right, talking about signing guys' sons, right, so there was this um, massive story in Dunfermline, huge story, that Dunfermline Athletic were about to sign Diego Maradona Jr., right, now, the pars train at, like, local public parks called Petrivi Plain Pitches, where of a weekend, there's like 1,500 kids down there playing football. But during the week, that's where Dunfermline trained. I don't know if they still do, actually. But um, he went down there for training, and the the Scottish media assembled to get a, a picture of Diego Maradona in his Dunfermline training kit. It turned out to be like a PR exercise by Jim Leishman, because I, I think he just wanted a wee bit of the old uh, back page attention on the pars. But their view on that was they're going to sell... All these jerseys with number 10 Maradona on the back. You know, their away kit was probably going to be light blue and white stripes and all this kind of stuff, um, Ian. But it just, for me, listen, I love all that. I love a wee club who's got an idea of doing a PR thing, but no for Celtic. You don't bring in Van Hooydonk unless he's got the minerals, do you? No, you don't. You don't. Um, just when you to say that, it just it reminded me of sort of earlier on in the conversation, you know, about, you know, when you were down in Liverpool, about the infrastructure around about the stadium. Yeah. And things like that, it, it really annoys me. Celtic still, we still have that kind of parochial attitude, you know, which happens. You know, it's like you know, as if as if we're a provincial city or a provincial club in a provincial city, and we're not at all. You know, we're an international club. Glasgow is a big, vibrant city. Um, you know, it's it's got a, a hell of a lot going to it. You know, culturally outside of London, it's, it's huge within the arts and things like that. So, um, we but Celtic don't 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 marry that, you know, and. and you hit upon the point where we just want to be the, the you know the, the, the toughest in our, our school. You know, we want to be the, you know as long as we can as long as we can take on all comers in our, in our own back garden, and that's fine. You know, and, and but it's not enough for you know what they're tell, that the actual board tell us that but they're, 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 they're striving to achieve or trying to trying to do. You know, you, you do the wonder around paradise. You know, and again, like I saw I saw the footage at Anfield. You know, and it's it's a it's it's a Barcelona, it's a Real Madrid. You know, stunning. Yeah, you know, look at the Emirates. Look at all the stadiums the stadium in the in, in England. You know, and obviously they've got the, the money to to support that. But Celtic should be should be should be punching in those in those realms. And one of the great things that Brendan Rodgers did when he first came, there was a lot of chat was that he brought a Premier League mentality. Yeah, yeah. You know, so and he started to weave that within the fabric. Not so sure about the disco lights still. 
still can't get my head around that, you know. It's like chopper, chopper, cheap, cheap, you know. But um, remember, we used them though when we were announcing Bio. Remember Bio? Where is he now? And we announced him in a big green spotlight, and there oh, he is. Oh, WWF style, man. But <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, it's. Um, I forgot the original question now, but it was it. There's some. It was uh, yeah. So I just uh, was wanted to touch upon that. No, I, again, listen. I, I think what we've done as a football club, you're talking about uh, kind of parochialism and, and that kind of thing as well. And I walk about that area. People will be sick of me saying this, but even just like have a bandstand, have a bandstand on the cover match day. You know, it's all about getting the fans there. Um, and that whole community feel before the game. Yeah, there's there's certain areas, we pockets of people you see at the same areas all the time. But just to have that bandstand and a proper kind of fan area that you can spend some time at as well would be excellent. And you know what? Embrace the history because there's plenty of moments and victories and players and figures at the club that can be celebrated. And one of those players is, of course, Jimmy Johnston and the Urban Culture um, says the best song by a player is Passing Time. Now, Lawrence, have you heard it? Me, Jim. Yes. Yes. I think there's a couple of versions of it um, straight from vinyl onto YouTube. Go and have a listen to it. The wee man had a decent voice. He loved a sing song, didn't he? Jimmy Johnson. Um, And then My Ball comes in. Does anyone remember? I don't. Kenny Dalgley's Sandy Jardin duet every Saturday. Anybody on the show? Can you remember that? I certainly cannot remember that. My Ball. Uh, was it during a is it a Scottish thing a Scottish uh, national team thing I'm not sure never heard of it my boy let us know in the comment section if you have and we've got Brian McGinty Italia 90 was my first World Cup memory I hope Scotland don't bring out another don't come home too soon remember that they filmed that at Presswick Airport remember it France Did 98 you, I had a dream but it was uh, Delamitri was it not yeah, yeah. Yep. don't come home too soon Delamitri uh, Justin Curry Celtic fan um, my my nod, my vote would go to uh, PG Carletta, and uh, he'd done a session for us. It's on the channel probably two or three years ago, actually, um, and he has done a, a Scotland song which was played before the game against Norway the other night, and I think it would make great sense if uh, PG was to be the guy to record that song. I'd love to see it. Ridiculizer, thank you. The Celtic strip book looks cool. Nice wee stocking filler that. Somebody posted a page on Twitter and I noticed two grammatical errors on one page. So I'm going to have to have a wee word with the editor because it's obviously no my fault that the (laughs) errors are in there. Yes. And uh, if there is another edition, I'm going to have to get a proofreader as well. Uh, We've been talking about the AGM. What do you make of the Palestine flags? Lawrence, no punishment from UEFA. They couldn't really punish it, could they? No, not a situation just now. There was no way they could. Uh, They're pretty unaccountable, UEFA, but I think on this, yeah, there was no, you know, just the outcry at the moment. I I don't think they could have done anything. And pretty sure our own John Hughes predicted they would do nothing. He did. uh, Obviously, at AGM, no doubt there'll be questions raised about Obviously, the Green Brigade, where they're going to fit in, perhaps the boys and, and wider fan engagement. But just going back to what you're talking about, kind of history, round about the ground, guys like uh, Jim Blythe, Brendan Sweeney, Paul McQuaid, the Celtic Graves, yeah. are the ones that put the plaque up to the old Celtic Park, you know, in a wall in Genfield Street. Not a club, they, they, they haven't acknowledged that at all. But, you know, it's absolutely shocking, isn't it? You know, It's in the, the, the opening... Montage uh, of the glory dream, yeah, yeah. And when you're talking about Scotland songs, what about Brooke Coombe? I'm sure she's another axon, yeah, that's a Scotland song, yeah. Yeah. What was that? Yes, sir, I can boogie. I'm not a fan fan of the song, I love Brooke, I think she's phenomenal, Uh, a real talent, as is her Her version was the best, yeah. I mean, who was she up against, though? Let's be honest, Uh, Brooke, Brooke is a phenomenal talent. Uh, and obviously a big Celtic fan also, um, as all the creatives are, Ian, we've spoken about that before, right? Is it Landudno? Is that how you pronounce it? That's where Anthony Aiken is today. Uh, lovely weather. Hail, hail. Let us know where you're watching or tuning into Axon. Um, Thursday last week, I was on the road. I was on the road down to Liverpool watching it as a fan, watching James McKenzie and Kevin and JP talking for an hour about Celtic. It was great fun. Italia 90 was awesome. Yes, it was a, a great tournament, but it was brilliant as well because of the fact that uh, there was a great, that great Ireland team, Sean, uh, under Jack Charlton, mm. and there was a great Celtic link with Pat Bonner and goals. You had Chris Morris at right back. You had uh, 
Mick McCarthy, who by then I think had left actually the club, but he was the, the guy that we obviously celebrated through the centenary season. And uh, there are Irish players again uh, in the squad playing for Celtic, one of whom is Liam Scales. And, you know, another big challenge for him coming up against the Netherlands, Sean. We've been talking over, a, probably since he broke into the team, Lawrence and I had a wee disagreement a few weeks ago about this. Um, in terms of where does he go from here? When does it end? Do we even have to have that conversation? Because there's nothing to suggest that it will, because his form's been so, so good, Sean. But there's just a wee feeling in my mind, eventually, probably when Nat Phillips goes back down to Liverpool, that Brennan Rodgers will want to utilise one or both of the two centre-halves that we brought in in the summer. Maybe, but uh, when you actually look at the team playing, now we all recognise the limitations of Liam Scales. He would have been in the team before uh, if he didn't have it, but uh, what he does give us is uh, a better balance to the back four. Uh, the game against Aberdeen last week, there was one point in the game, it was 2-0 at the time, right? But there's a ball... Aberdeen player tries to play the ball over the top and with the fact that so Liam Scales is running towards uh, Joe Hart, so he's running in the wrong direction but because he's left footed, he can take that, he doesn't need to try and take a touch, he can just clip that ball over the Aberdeen attacker that's rushing him and it goes straight to Greg Taylor and we on the counter-attack straight away. Any right-sided player that's doing that, that doesn't happen. That right-sided player has to try and bring the ball down and turn into the centre of the pitch, which is a risky move and doesn't give us uh, an opening to to start an attack, a flow on attack. So uh, you could talk about like having trying out Navrocki or Navrotsky, excuse me, or Lager Bielkin there, but I think it's going to have a detrimental impact on the footballing side of our game. Maybe they'd be better defenders, but it's going to impact the structure and flow of the team if we do replace a left-sided player with a right-sided one. Um, Can I just yeah, in there? Yeah, please do. Mm-hmm. Sorry, right. Just on that not note, right, and it's like, I'm going to sound like old father time here, but it's like, you know, that that's a, that's a good point you make, right? But why, why any footballer, any footballer is not both-footed you know, it doesn't matter what their what what their, what their sort of what their strongest leaning is when you know when they're born. How you're not if you're a professional footballer, how you're not equally two footed, um, and that's not absolutely impressed upon every footballer. It's beyond me. You know, my my son's eleven, and I like obviously granddad here, like you know, work on your your weaker foot. My son can do it as eleven over the past two years. You know, and it's like he's equally strong with both feet now. So why aren't footballers like that? You know, um, they should be ambidextrous. That's their it's job. Incredible. You know. Yeah, no. <laughs> exactly. This is it. When when somebody is two footed, it's like one of these things. It's, it's wow, great two footed player. But you're right. You know, it should be drummed in. I mean, I had great conversations with Brian McClare about this. Brian McClare is a lost uh, brain of Scottish football. Lawrence, you'll agree with this because you've heard them. Uh, some of the, the, the things he says are so, so basic at times. But you're thinking, why on earth can that not be implemented in the Scottish game? And of course, he was one of them, Ian who was, was trying to push for a lot of um, introductions, a lot of different concepts in the Scottish game, a lot of which were pretty basic, but we're not doing it. Um, and one of them was obviously having some kind of reserve league, some kind of competitive uh, game of football for these guys who no longer can, can play youth football, but are not in the first team. And he had this great idea. Jim Orr didn't know about it, but he echoed the same idea last Friday about having some senior pros in there to help the young guys through. And it's not, it's just by osmosis. It's not like they sit there and show you a PowerPoint. This is what you do at a corner. They just learn because they're playing alongside these guys and they learn from the experience. Um, but Lawrence, there's somebody in here uh, who wants to ask you specifically a question, Lawrence. I know you don't read the comments. That's my job. Uh, Sean McDermott, here we go. Can you ask Lawrence if he enjoyed the Irvin CSC a few weeks ago? Is that a oh, smiley face? Yes. Great hospitality down there. Listening to Jim Craig. No, no, I was listening to Jim Craig. Right. Talk about his Celtic career. Brilliant. He reckons he's the best right back that's ever, ever played for Celtic, but Jim thinks know. that. Or you yeah. think that. Well, Jim thinks that. Well, you know, that would open a debate, I guess. Uh, Danny McGrain would need to be up there, the man yeah, who yeah, his shorts. Yeah, uh, Danny, Danny would be up there, I'm pretty sure. I mean, since Danny McGrain, and by the way, uh, the older heads would even say Donkey Mackay. Uh, who was probably the guy before Jim Craig uh, was a was a, a kind of he was before his time, so he was he was a a kind of overlapping fullback. It's probably Celtic's first overlapping fullback 
uh, Duncan Mackay. So, aye, you know, depending on your era, you're going to have your views. I don't think Jeremy Toyan is in that discussion, though. What Martin about the Wilmo, icicle? The icicle. Alec McNair. Yes. Did he not play until he was like 42? Yeah, something like that. He did. Sure. Yeah. They had great na- nicknames, the icicle and all that. Yeah. They were like superheroes. Oh, the general. I know. Uh, Napoleon. Napoleon. You know, this kind of stuff. Oh, brilliant. I know. I love it. Martin Wilmot, could we get supporter represented, uh, sorry, a supporter representative on the board, not the SLO? Uh, that's something that's been spoken about quite a bit. I'm pretty sure the Celtic Trust um, have kind of pushed for that as well. Um, over the years. Yeah, I think it would be brilliant. I mean, uh, you know, it's not like supporters taking over the club as such, but it would be uh, great to have the, the fans represented um, at these uh, meetings. Brian McGinty, I'm going to bring this up because we spoke about the Palestine flags earlier. We didn't uh, receive a fine from UEFA. Uh, bring back the Green Brigade. We all stand together. What's the latest, lads? Because the last statement that I read was that uh, they wanted dialogue and uh, engagement with the club and if it didn't happen there was going to be a day of action this weekend against Mullerwell. Has anybody had an update since then? I thought those three fans running on the pitch during the Aberdeen game was the the action that we were talking about. Uh, I'm not yeah, I don't know what's going on. Dash Stewart didn't have give him a, a proper like polax right over the sponsorship, yeah. but that was a sore one, by the way. You know, you know, you normally don't get any. So three in one game was weird. I thought that was related. I didn't really understand what was going on there. Yeah, yeah I did see one of the guys was, What was yeah. that, Lawrence? Safety stewards non-intervention. Yeah, could that, I mean, could I hurt that boy? Please, it could because it's made for not problem. Yeah. yeah. And you're you know, just facing, you know, concrete on the other side of that. So, yeah, didn't look good. I know people shared it online and all that, but it didn't look good for me. Um, Durban Culture, ready, that's ridiculous. I um, have that book in my wardrobe not to be opened until Santa arrives. Well, I hope you enjoy Urban Culture and please let me know of the deliberate errors that are in there and we'll give you a prize for that. Gordon Coney, keep up the good work, PJ. The haters will always hate. Yes, and you know what? The reason I bring it up, Gordon, is because I kind of learned to deal with it. So if anybody else is getting stick out there online in particular, and I fear for the next generation, Ian, you know, you're talking about your kids and all that kind of stuff. You're going to have to teach them from a young age how to deal with this kind of stuff. You know, we were the, the first generation of social media, I guess. You know, the first generation of household internet and everything else. So we've learned, I guess, through our mistakes. But we can learn the new, we can teach the new generation rather uh, the do's and don'ts of online bullying and hate and all that kind of stuff. Ian, it's a, it really is. It's a cesspit. It's a minefield out there, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and it's like you look at look at um, the presence that a lot of people have on, on online. You know, that it's invisible faces. You know that, that that can attack from afar. You know, like the you know the um, the, the the arrow merchants. You know, and from from the wars and the, the medieval medieval wars. You know, um, and the archer. Sorry, and it's it's people are not not they're not re- representing a true version themselves, good or bad. You know, people are, are at pains to you know the. You know, when they were saying like Grandad again, you know, this this kind of like, um, I think it was a Bukowski, you know, four, four morals, you know, are, are you know, basically epitomized, brainwashed. Uh, and and it's there is that sort of pack mentality. Um, but, you know, it's you, you can't, you can't, if you, if you, if you read and, and buy into the positive stuff, you know, you got, you, you buy by default, you buy the, the, the negative stuff. So, and vice versa. So, yeah, we have to we have to sort of teach our, our children to to yeah not 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 get caught up in it. You know, um, you see that it's like children are being hung up now. I'm not. I've never had Facebook, and never will do. Um, but like you know, sort of um, online bullying and or uh, in terms of their self esteem is, is is affected because they're not yeah. getting as many likes as their classmates and things like that. You know, and it's like it's just such invisible existential nonsense. You know, really, mm-hmm. but it's real. You know, it's real. It's part of modern modern life. So, um, yeah, yeah, we 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 are of a certain vintage where we can just stick the two fingers up, the metaphorical two fingers, or physically. You know, um, but you know, it's a different it's a different world for the younger generation. It is. It is a different world, um, and we are of a certain vintage. I'm glad I'm entering that vintage, uh, Ian. I've got to say, Studs Lanigan, how many pages in the Palma Sutra, by the way? Yeah. Um, I don't know, guys, if you noticed that there was going to be, I think it was Brown Warrior who suggested that everything he does, uh, Louis Palmer, could uh, be compiled in a book and we could call it Palmer Sutra, uh, such is the nature 
of the things that he does and how good it is uh, to, to obviously view that. But I'm not sure who is going to publish that particular volume. Uh, the Urban Culture, this is it. This is a moment we've been waiting for. Good day, fellow Axom addicts. And we don't take for granted every single one of you that's tuning in on a daily basis. Martin O'Neill will definitely need cover while Asian Cup is on. Should always look to have such eventualities covered when accessing the squad. Given these tournaments, dates are known well in advance. We need a striker, there's no doubt about it. But I've given you my take on the Sydney Van Hooydonk rumours. I could be wrong, of course. I'm just basing it on what we were told by Pierre three weeks ago. And uh, we have got an edit. It's almost ready for the channel and it'll be on maybe tonight maybe tomorrow. Um, I asked them off tape that particular question about Sydney. Uh, the, the interview itself was far more about his time with Celtic, his relationship with Tommy Burns, his relationship with Fergus. George is in there, doesn't say as much. He's a very emotional guy um, who you know, visibly became emotional when talking about Tommy. And then John Collins comes in um, and I don't know how he comes across in the media, etc., but he was a, he was brilliant. He was top class, was, was John, and he was a top class player. Um, as well. Marquis, I've seen a few strikers linked with us lately. Big Piers boy among them. Yeah, absolutely. And I've put my head on a chopping block on that one. We've got Martin Wilmot again. Mark, I definitely think we should be aiming to play outside of Scotland, away from plastic pitches, empty stadiums, biased refs, VAR and Neil Doncaster. Only way we can ever compete in the Champions League. Do you agree, Lawrence Conley? The only way we can compete at that level is by playing our football elsewhere. I think it's something, you know, Celtic board looked at in the 1890s about getting a European league. And, and then the 1990s, 100 years later. Yeah, 1990s as well. It was at yep. Terry Castle. Alan McDonald. Alan McDonald, yeah. So no, it's, it's something we've, we've got to do. You, you know, we're not progressing. Two, two, we're, we're, we're winning 20, not 20. As well. is, yeah, it was the G8. I think two, they called two, it the G8, didn't they? Two, 2002 was when the 10 teams resigned because Celtic and Rangers were trying to go to England. Right, OK, so there's a great story. And um, it was told by David Lowe on a previous episode of Axon. Check it out again on the YouTube channel, whereby they had this uh, scheme where Wimbledon Football Club were up for sale. Who was the guy that that ran them? Sam Haman? Was that his, that yep, was his name, wasn't man. it? Yep. Um, that was the other book I bought on the way down. It's called The Crazy Gang about that, that era. Anyway, they were up for sale and uh, they tried to, they tested the waters. Get, came if I'm wrong uh, on this one, Lawrence. It's all on the interview. So they bought um, Clyde Bank Football Club. It was Clyde Bank they bought, right? And then what they did is they wanted to move Clyde Bank to Ireland to play yep. football, right? So they had a stadium over in Dublin. I believe, and it was basically a, a situation where they were trying to, it was a Trojan horse, right? So they were they were actually seeing if you could do this kind of cross-border thing by buying a club, changing the registered name and address of such club, and then all of a sudden you're playing English football mm. in Scotland. So they, they actually tested the water with Clyde Bank, and they'd done it in Dublin. Um, and then World Cup 98 happened, and there was discussions in and around that because they were they were really testing the water with it because they wanted to get Celtic to play their football in England by buying Wimbledon Football Club, changing the, the name to Celtic Football Club, changing the registered address and continuing to play the games at Celtic Park. Um, there was a, a crisis meeting after the 98 World Cup where they put new regulations and stipulations in place to prevent Celtic from doing it. It's an interesting tale, one of the moments in time that was covered at the time but it seems to have been lost to the depths of history. But it's on that interview with David Lowe. Check it out. Uh, I think Celtic as a football club have tried virtually everything they can um, to, to go and play their football in a more competitive space. Whether or not it's going to happen, I felt after the pandemic would be an opportunity because you know I thought the financial um, situation with a lot of football clubs would have been such that you know leagues would have shrunk and then there would have been an opportunity then to, to um, relax the rules, but it's not happened. So let's see what happens. I think you're right, though. Whilst we're playing um, in the Scottish game, it's going to be very difficult, really, really difficult to compete. Um, and that gap seems to get be getting wider and wider. Listen, loads more to discuss, but that's an hour up, and we're going to be back tomorrow at 12.30. We spoke about everything from Peter Beardsley rapping to a New Order song, right through to the fact I don't think Sidney Van Hooydonk is going to be signing for Celtic. Let us know your thoughts in the comments section. If you haven't done so already, give us a thumbs up on the video and subscribe to A Celtic State of Mind. Loads of new content 
coming your way. All that's left for me to say is thank you to Lawrence Conley and Ian Conroy and Sean Conley for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.